Well, good morning again. Um, if you have your copies of Scripture, if you would, turn to Psalm 119 as we continue our time together. Um, we're going to be looking at the next four stanzas of Psalm 119, looking at verses 33 through 64 um, this morning. We oftentimes are, are we're always buying something. If you're like my house, um, the poor UPS guy could just probably autopilot the Amazon packages. And my wife is looking, thinking, yes, they're all yours. And that's fair enough. But they're for work. I tell her that. We're always getting something new. And most of the time, whenever we get something new, it depends on what it is. But if we, we get something new, it has to be assembled. It comes with what? Instructions. And men, what do we do with them? We throw them away. We disregard them. Now, this has never happened to me, but I've heard tell it's happened to other people where you do that and you get to the end and you realize that had you read instructions, you would have known that that piece didn't go in that order and at that time and that would explain why you had four extra bolts. We often have things in our life to where instructions and plans are given to us and they're expected to be followed in order to do the job correctly. I, I do cabinets for a living. And if I'm doing a cabinet install for another, another firm, they, they give you what they call layouts. It's a 2D printing of the cabinets and how they go in the kitchen. And it tells you where each cabinet goes and where a filler goes and how they want it. They put notes to the side of how it goes together and where they want this piece and the height of certain things. When I'm putting in those cabinets, I take that thing to the wall and I constantly refer to it. Why? Because I can put the cabinets together. And I can probably make it fit. But it's not going to be according to the design of the designer or the homeowner. Therefore, I'm going to have to take it out and redo it again. Or if I'm building cabinets in my, my shop, I have a design and a layout with measurements. And I, I go off of that plan. We all have aspects of our life where there are guidelines and instructions that are given to us. And we ignore them at our own peril. The psalmist is showing us today and through his word and throughout this entire psalm, I was even talking to Adam, there, there's a sense in which teaching through this Psalm 119 and, and being given sections, there, there's a sense in which it's hard to break down this psalm and not just teach the entire Psalm 119 at one time. And then there's another sense in which it's hard to teach more than one stanza at one time. And so today we're going to seek to do four of these together. But throughout this psalm and in the, psalm, in the section we're looking at today, the psalmist is pointing us to this truth of his dependency upon the word of God because he knows in that God has laid out the promises for him, the obedience required of him, what, is, what God has called him to. And he is dependent upon not just this word, but of God to give him understanding of it. That in that he would walk in obedience, in that he would walk in confidence, in that he would walk in worship. And so today we see in this, and I, I, I hope in the midst of this, my prayer in the midst of this for you is that like me, um, there would be a, a conviction and a restoring of how much like us men do with the instruction manual and the package we get, we tend to set this aside 
and to our own peril. So let's look together at, at Psalm 119. We're going to read um, verses 33 through 64, and then we will um, go back through and look at them stanza by stanza. Teach me, O Yahweh, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts, and your righteousness give me life. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Yahweh, your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. I take not, and take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. I will keep your law continually, forever and ever. And I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings, and shall not be put to shame. For I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift my hands towards your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Remember your word to your servant of which you have made me hope. This is my comfort and my affliction, that your promise gives me life. The insolent utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. When I think of your rules from old, I take comfort, O Yahweh. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs and in the house of my sojourning. I remember your name in the night, O Yahweh, and keep your law. This blessing has fallen on me that I have kept your precepts. Yahweh is my portion. I promise to keep your words. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. When I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. At midnight I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. I am a companion of all who fear you. Of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O Yahweh, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? God in heaven... We acknowledge this is your word, breathed out by you, it's profitable for teaching and rebuke and correction. The man of God may be complete and perfect for every good work. So Father, we pray that today, by your spirit, you would give understanding of your word. You would give me clarity of speech, give us clarity of mind to hear and understand that we would as those who are yours in Christ. Um, walk according to your word, for, for we know that it is good. It's in Christ we pray these things. Amen. 
So in the midst of, of these sections, again, there's, there's a sense in which it's hard to break this down um, because there's, there's things that kind of tie together that we could, we could reference back to. But I want to keep it focused on these four stanzas as much as we can. But we see in this, in, all, in the first three stanzas, we see the, the psalmist making request of Yahweh. And he gives why he wants those requests. And in the last stanza we're going to look at, there's not as much a request as much of a um, worship and a commitment. But I want us to look together at these um, requests and what the psalmist is asking and why he's asking it. And, and in that, again, I hope that the Lord will draw us into a love of him and of his word. As we look at the, the hay stanza, verses 33 through 40, we see a, a desire-driven devotion. Look, if you will, at the, the request that the psalmist is, is making of the Lord. In verse 33, teach me, O Yahweh, the way of your statutes. In verse 34, give me understanding of the statutes would be implied there. Verse 35, lead me in the path of your commandments. 36, incline my heart to your testimonies. Verse 37, turn my eyes from looking at worthless or vain things. 38, confirm to your servant your promise. 39, turn away the reproach that I dread. And we see in these requests that the psalmist is making, we don't know for sure who wrote it. Most would say David actually was listening to one thing this week where he was making a case for Daniel being the author of the psalm. We don't know, and if we needed to know, it would tell us. But the, the psalmist is, is making these requests of the Lord. And, and again, I just read through them, but look at what he's, he's asking. He's pleading with Yahweh to have an understanding of His Word and to be grounded in the promises of His Word that He would walk in them. Again, look at 33. Teach me the way of your statutes. In verse 34, give me understanding. The psalmist is crying out to Yahweh to give him an understanding and to teach him the way of his word, the way of his commandments, the way of his law. The psalmist is understanding and proclaiming and in, in so requesting, declaring he is dependent upon Yahweh if he is to rightly understand the law that Yahweh has given. The psalmist is crying and declaring and requesting Yahweh to give him understanding, to give him, to teach him, because the psalmist understands one thing. On his own, he can read the law. He can read the word of God. But he can't rightly understand it. He can't rightly see what the Lord is saying as we're reminded by Paul in 2 Corinthians, the things of the Spirit are spiritually discerned. The psalmist is declaring and, and requesting that God would teach him. Then in verse 35, he's only requesting that he would teach him and give him understanding, but that he would lead him according to it. And then in verse 36, and 37 seem to go together. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain or 
most commentaries I've read from the older, older dead guys are pointing that his request is to be kept from the sin of covetousness here. That he would be inclined to delight and love in the things of Yahweh, not the things of this world. And then in verse 37, in that, turn my eyes from looking at worthless or vain things. We see the psalmist in these two requests asking Yahweh, asking the Lord. He's asking for understanding. He's asking to teach him. And now he's saying, let me walk in it and not to be drawn away from the things of the world. For the psalmist knows one thing very well. The heart is prone to wonder as we sing in the great hymn. He is prone to, to go after the things of the world. He is prone to be inclined to them. And as we look at this request from the psalmist, we not only have to look at what he's asking, but why he's asking it. Because it's one thing for us to go and say, okay, I want want God to teach me. I want to have an understanding of the law of God. I want to be able to know it. I want to be able to understand it. But look at the heart behind why the psalmist is asking these things. Look, teach me the way of your statutes, and I will what? I'll keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. He wants to be led in the path because he delights in it in verse 35. Verse 38, he wants the promises confirmed of God so that he can walk in fear before him. And in verse 40, because he understands that the precepts and the instruction and the words of God are what give life to him. See, the psalmist isn't asking these things. The psalmist isn't seeking the word of God. The psalmist isn't pleading in a dependency upon Yahweh to give him an understanding just so he can know it. Just so this can be intellectual to him and he can have the answer and the knowledge and be able to to speak and, and to know and to do the Bible drill really well. The psalmist's desire and the psalmist's reasoning and asking for the Lord to teach him and to give him understanding and to lead him in it is because the psalmist longs to walk in obedience to the law of God. The psalmist wants Yahweh to teach him the truth because he desires to walk in them. And in this, the psalmist is recognizing His dependency upon the Lord for his ability to walk in holiness and obedience. The psalmist is declaring that he longs to be taught by Yahweh because he wants to walk in them. And in so doing is saying, Lord, I cannot know, much less walk in accord to your word apart from you doing this in me. I don't want to jump so far ahead, but look ahead to verse 49. And we'll see that not only does the psalmist recognize his need upon the Lord to walk in accord to His Word. He's dependent upon the Lord to even give Him the desire to want to do so. In verse 49, Remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope. Look at verse 56. This blessing has fallen on me that I have kept your precepts. This desire for the psalmist to walk in obedience is not some legalistic, if I do well enough, the Lord will love me. If I do well enough, then I will be better than all of those around me. So, Lord, give this to me. This desire from the psalmist is flowing out of the reality that the psalmist already knows. The Lord has set his love towards me. 
I am his and he has given me this hope and he has given me this desire and he has given me this obedience. Out of a love that the psalmist has because of the love that Yahweh, the Lord, has already shown him, the psalmist says, I'm dependent upon you and I long to walk in obedience to you because you are good. Again, look at the language of the psalmist. Why does he want to know the Lord? Because his rules are good. And his righteousness gives life. We read it in our call to worship in Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is to be desired more than gold, yes, than much fine gold, and is sweeter than drippings of the honeycomb. Again, this is not some legalistic desire of the, the psalmist. But this is an outflow of love for the psalmist because he knows that in the word of God, God has made himself known. And in the word of God, God has shown what it is to walk in him. And the psalmist longs to walk in the love of Yahweh. And so he wants to know his word and walk according to it. This is not some duty-driven legalism. But a love-driven obedience that the psalmist longs for. And again, I want us to notice the psalmist's dependency upon Yahweh for this. This entire section is the psalmist crying out for the Lord to do this in him. To give him understanding because he longs to walk in it. To keep him and to guard him and to turn his heart from worthless things and to turn his eyes from vain things. And as I pressed in this, I was, I was challenged and convicted in my own life as I looked. One, is this even... And I, and I want to be careful here. I always struggle in this of how to do this in a way that doesn't sound legalistic and leaves you leaving this place with the resolve to just white knuckle it and try better. But I was pressed. Am I even longing in this way to know and understand the word of God that I may walk according to it? Do I even long for holiness in this way? Do I long to walk according to the, 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 the word of God? Because I know that in it there's life and goodness. Do I long to understand the word of the Lord that I can keep it? Because I know that in them it is through the word that God makes himself known to me. That God reminds me of his promises. That God reminds me of Christ and his work for me. But then I was pressed into the second as I looked at the, the, the demeanor and the, the tone of the psalmist. When we do long to grow in holiness and we do think about growing in holiness, I'm convicted by how often I seek to fabricate this and do this on my own strength. Whereas we see the psalmist acknowledging, Yahweh, I need you to teach me. I need you to give me understanding. I need you to lead me. Oftentimes when we think of holiness and we seek holiness in our life, we seek to do this as something that we do. We seek to do this as something apart from seeking God or apart from His Word. We want holiness, but we don't seek the Lord or His Word to find it. We are, at times, I fear, guilty of what Paul is rebuking the Galatians for in Galatians chapter 3, where he says, Are you so foolish? Do you think, having begun by faith, you are now perfected by the flesh? 
But as those who are in Christ Jesus, again, the psalmist here is not some duty-driven legalism seeking to earn the love of God. This is flowing out of the love that God has shown him. We who are in Christ know the love of God for he has, he has loved us and that he has made us his. We who are his people, are we longing to walk according to his word? Are we longing to know him according to his word? So often we... Or say we long for holiness or we long to defeat sin or we long to love the Lord more. And yet we seek to do it by every other means possible except devoting ourselves and pleading that God would give us understanding to his word. Last week, Pastor um, Poteet, which I understand that a lot of you thought that he was going to teach the entire series. Sorry to disappoint you this morning. But he made this statement, and, and uh, Matthew, in, in leading us on Wednesday night with our children, referenced back to this point. That a happy Christian is saturated in what? Uh, no, that's where I'm getting. He's, he's, he's saturated in the Word of God. But Camille, also, what is the happy Christian saturated in? You just said it. Holiness. Pastor Poteet made the statement that a happy, a joyful Christian, I think is the way he worded it, is saturated in the Word of God. A holy Christian is saturated in the Word of God. We will not grow in holiness apart from the Word. We will not drift into holiness. You're not going to just magically wake up tomorrow giving no thought to it and just all of a sudden this sin goes away from you. Yes, it is the work of the Lord in us, but the Lord works in us and grows us in holiness according to his word. And the psalmist seemed to understand this. And yet so often I wake up and I want to be careful how I word this. I wake up and like I do with a lot of things I am to assemble, I set the instruction manual to the side and go on with life. And I think in so doing, whenever we find ourselves struggling in the word, and this is not always the case, but I think in that we, we have lost sight of our dependency upon the word and upon the Lord to give us understanding of his word to rightly walk in obedience and love. But the, here in this section, we see that the psalmist has a devotion-driven dependence upon the Lord to seek his word, and to walk according to it. In the next section, we see that the psalmist has a trust-driven confidence. Look at verse 41. He has two requests in this section. Verse 41 and 42. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Yahweh, your salvation according to your promise. Then I shall have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word, in verse 43, and take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. So here the psalmist is praying for Yahweh to give his steadfast love and salvation according to his promise and to not take the word of truth utterly from him. The psalmist, again, is expressing a dependency upon God to, to, to give his promise and give an understanding of his promise to him and to, to give him an understanding of his steadfast love and his salvation. 
Again, the greatest thing we long for, it should long for, is God through salvation for him in Christ Jesus. And the psalmist is pleading for these things, that he would know the steadfast love of the Lord and his salvation, and that this word of truth would not be taken out of his mouth. But again, we look at the reasoning for it, and we see that this is flowing from a trust that the psalmist has in the word of God and in his promises that allows him to be confident and stand firm in the times of trial. Look at verse 42. And then I shall have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Verse 43, he says his hope is in his rule. And then look at verse 44. We see flowing out of this of what the psalmist is seeking in this request. And I will keep your law continually forever and ever, and I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be put to shame, for I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. Here we see the psalmist having a trust-driven confidence in that he has prayed that the Lord would reveal his love to him, give him a confidence in his love and in his promises and not take the word of truth out of his mouth. Why? Because the psalmist wants the confidence to stand even when trials come and even when he is placed before kings to, to speak of the things of the Lord. The psalmist, in so doing, has a trust and a confidence in the Lord to have an answer for those who taunt him, to walk in the wide place here, not speaking of the difference in the, the, the narrow way and the wide way that Jesus speaks of. Speaking of a wide place here as one who, where you can firmly plant your feet and not be um, easily um, taken out. The psalmist says he would walk in this wide place and he's trusting in the Lord. And being established in the salvation of the Lord and the truth of his word, the psalmist had a confidence to stand before anyone who would mock him and be firm upon the truth of God. The psalmist is ultimately asking, give me an understanding of your word and of your promises and of your love and don't take that from me because I want to be able to speak rightly of you whatever the occasion may be. Again, we often struggle, I think, to, to engage the lost world around us and to have a confidence and a hope in speaking in those things. And I think often it's because we look way too inward at our own ability rather than being grounded and firm in the truth and in the promises of the Lord. The, pro, the, the, the psalmist, again, is is seeking and proclaiming to the promises of the Lord. We see in Matthew, verses often communicated to us, and we often will bring to mind. Now, Matthew 10, where Jesus tells them that they're going to be persecuted and led before leaders and, and all these things, but what does he tell them? Don't worry about what you will say, for in that time the Spirit will give you the words to say. But it's interesting if you look at what takes place in Acts. When those apostles are put in those situations, what, what does the Spirit give them to say? The Scriptures. If you look at where they get in Acts and they're put in those situations and they're persecuted and mobbed, what do they all go back to? They go back to the Scriptures and they proclaim the truth of the Scriptures and who God is and who Christ is in them. The psalmist is seeking to be able to speak in that way and he's wanting to, to be secure and grounded in the word of the Lord. And in so doing, he has a confidence to be able to stand in front of those who would mock him 
even if that is kings. And speak firmly and speak boldly because his confidence and his hope is in the word of the Lord. We likewise, um, who are in a, a... A time in which in our, our culture and in our setting, it will begin to become more and more um, pressurized to live and to stand according to the truth of the Scriptures. We, like the psalmist, should be praying that the Lord would not take His word of truth utterly from our mouth, but that we would have a confidence to stand and to speak to those who mock us according to His word that our response would not be according to worldly wisdom or to our own strength, but would be according to the truth of His Word. So again, we see the psalmist has a desire-driven dependence upon the Lord to walk in holiness and to know His Word. We see a trust-driven confidence to stand firm according to His Word, even in the midst of trials and persecution. But then in the next section, we see a hope-driven comfort. Look at the request. There's, there's one in this section. It's the first, first verse in verse 49. Remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope. The psalmist is, in a sense, asking, but I think in a sense reminding himself that the Lord is going to remember his word. God doesn't have to be asked to be faithful to be faithful. He is faithful. And the, the psalmist in this is requesting that the Lord would remember his word to his servant or to act upon the word to his servant. Again, acknowledging it's the Lord who's made him hope thus. And then look at why he's asking. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. The psalmist has a hope-driven comfort in that the Lord has caused him to hope in the truth of his promises, in the truth of his word. And in so doing, the psalmist says, this is my comfort in affliction. Whether that be persecution, as he speaks of in verse 51, whether that be loss, the promise and the comfort, or rather the comfort that the psalmist has is the word of the Lord that has given to him. We see the psalmist having a comfort that is based not upon feelings or emotion. A, com a comfort and a hope that is based not upon hallmark cliches. But a comfort in the midst of affliction that is based upon the sure word and promises of God. Again, we who are his people... Um, are those who should seek the word of the Lord so that we would know the Lord and his promises so that when trials come, when persecution comes, when hardship comes, when loss comes, when tragedy strikes, we are those who would be comforted, not according to the, the fleeting promises of this world, but to the secure truth of his word 
Again, when we think about these things, again, the psalmist is writing these. I mean, again, we don't know at what period. Some would put it in David. Some would put it more in, in the, the Babylonian period of exile. But either way, it's before the fullness of those promises has come to be. And yet the psalmist is saying, my comfort is your word and your promises to us. Yet how much more we who are in Christ. Who have the promise that in Christ Jesus, whatever I am facing, I can rest assured is not the wrath of God for me because he has saved me from it. I can be rest assured it is not the Lord having left me because he's promised he would not do so. I can be sure and secure, according to Romans chapter 8, that he is working this for my good to conform me to the image of Christ. And I can be secure and comforted in the promise of the Lord that nothing that will face me. Read Romans 8. There's a long list of things that we would fear would separate us from the Lord. And what does Paul tell us? They will not do. They will not separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus. We who are his people need to be saturated in the word of God So that we can have the promises and the comfort and the hope in the midst of trials to know the promises and the sure foundation of the word of God and the promises he has made for us in Christ Jesus. Likewise, I would also say, as not only do we need to seek it so that we can be comforted in it. Brothers and sisters, when we see each other hurting, This is what we need to comfort each other with. We do not need cliches. We do not need little light um, tropes of things that the world would give us. We need to be brought and reminded of the solid promises of God to stand firm upon them. We need to point each other to these truths of His Word for they are our comfort in affliction. Again, in verse 42, when I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort. Again, thinking back to what the Lord has done in the lives of his people. But then look at verse 53. And, and, and I, I don't want to spend a tremendous amount of time on this, but I also don't want to pass over it. Verse 53, hot indignation or zeal seizes me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. Here the psalmist proclaims, not only is he hoping in the law of God because it is good and in it God has made himself known, but there is a love and a dependency upon the word of God that causes a hot indignation or a zeal to seize him when he sees those who blatantly and outright throw themselves against the word of God and rebel against it. A fear in the American church, one of two things has happened when it comes to this. And again, I want to, I want to be careful of what the psalmist is not saying. The psalmist doesn't say, I hate all of them and I want them gone. We can, we can deal with that in other psalms. But there is a, a zeal and an indignation when he sees the law of God being forsaken. And I fear there's two things that have happened in the church. The American church. Because it's the only one I know. 
One, we have become so comfortable with the world that we don't even think about it when we see the law of God being completely disregarded. We give it no thought. And some of that could be because we've been entertained by the disregarding of the law of God in such a way that we're numb to it. Or we could be disregarding it ourselves and we just think that's normal. But the second thing I fear when I look around at the church and I do see those who are indignant over those who are rebellious to the law of God is it has very little to actually do with the glory and honor of God and His law. Oftentimes, when we see the indignation and a zeal against the unrighteous and against the just complete disregard to the law of God, the glory of God has very little to do with it. But I fear it has far more to do with my, either one, my personal comfort or discomfort in a certain situation and what you're doing. Or maybe far worse, has much more to do with political identity than it does with the glory of God. There should be a zeal for holiness. There should be a zeal and a, and, a, and a weightiness and a fire in us whenever we see the law of God and the glory of God completely disregarded. But it should be driven by the glory of God and the love of God. Not the love of self or political system. But let us be those who long for holiness and long for the glory of God to be seen. So we see the psalmist in loving the word of the Lord, seeking to walk in holiness before it, taking a comfort or a trust in it, and taking a comfort in it. And then in verse the, the fourth section, verse 57 through 64, we see a worshipful commitment. Again, there's not really a request here, other than the very maybe at the very end, there's teach me your statutes. But there's not request in this section the same way there has been in the other. Rather, the psalmist is proclaiming truths and what he is doing in light of that. Look at this. The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your word. Again, tie that back to what he prayed at the, at the first section we looked at. Keep me from selfish gain and incline my, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Why? Because the Lord was his portion and he wanted nothing to, to compete or to draw him away from that. And because the Lord is his portion, he desires and longs to keep his word. He entreats the favor of Yahweh with all his heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. And in light of this truth, that the Lord is his portion, that he longs for the favor of Yahweh. Not to earn it, but out of the promise of it, what what does the psalmist say he will do? He will keep his word. This obedience flowing out of a love and a worship of Yahweh that draws him to say, I will keep his word and I will walk in obedience to it. Look at verse 59. As the psalmist is proclaiming his desire to keep the word of the Lord and to walk according to his promise. Look at verse 59. When I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commands. There's a couple of different opinions as to what the psalmist was getting at here, but I I think at least included in those options is this. When the psalmist says, when I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies and I hasten to keep your commands. I think what the psalmist is getting at is this. When I think back to my life, when I lived according to my way, 
And I lived according to my wisdom. And I did things according to my own way and, and longings. And I see what that gave me and what that got me and what that would have earned me ultimately. I turn quickly from that and I go to your law because I know that it is good. When I remember who I am and who I would be left to myself, I am quickly turning back to you and to your promises and to your testimonies and to your word because I know that in them there is life and in running from them there is death. Then we see the psalmist again ending this section with this doxological praise. At midnight I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. I am a companion of all who fear you. The earth, O Yahweh, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. Again, we see this desire and longing to know the word of the Lord and to walk according to the word of the Lord is not this legalistic love-earning obedience, but rather is a worship-filled, love-driven desire to walk in accord with the God who has saved him and loved him because he knows that in that there is life and goodness. Likewise, we who are in Christ know there's nothing I can do. There's no amount of these commands I can keep that's going to earn my favor with the Lord. In fact, if we looked at them rightly, I would argue there's not one of them we're going to keep. We know and we trust and we proclaim it is Christ and in Him alone that we are saved from the wrath to come. It is in Christ and Him alone that I am reconciled to the Father. It is in Christ and Him alone that my sins are atoned for and forgiven and the wrath of God has been stayed. But yet that does not mean we simply say, I'm forgiven and I'm justified and I'm righteous because of Christ's righteousness. Therefore, I give no thought to holiness and no thought to obedience and no thought to the Word of God. Rather, because I am His child, because He has saved me, because He has made me His, I long to walk in fellowship with Him. I long to... To see him as a loving good father who's not given me rules just to be harsh, but because he doesn't want death for me. So I long for his word and I long for holiness because I long for the God of holiness. So, as those who are his people, let us, like the psalmist, seek and plead that the Lord would give us understanding of his word, that we would walk in it. Daily be reminded of our dependency upon him to know and understand his word and to walk in holiness. That we would plead for God to give us an understanding of his word that we could stand in confidence in the midst of persecution. That we would pray when um, the sun is shining and the light is bright that the Lord would give us an understanding and a confidence in his promise so that when the world, when life kicks and we bleed and all goes dark, we can have a comfort of knowing and being reminded and anchored in the truth of his promises that are ours in Christ Jesus. And then in all of those things, we would be drawn to worship and love him. Let us as those who 
Know Christ and love Christ. Seek to know him more through his word, by his spirit. Let's pray together. Our God in heaven, we are thankful that you have given us your word. And we are grateful and humbled and thankful that not only have you given us your word, but the understanding of it is not dependent upon us, but you have been gracious to give us knowledge and life in your word. Father, I pray now that as we have have looked at this section of scripture that through the meager ramblings of, of the one you've called to speak, that you would give life, give understanding, grant holiness and comfort and trust and worship. Grant us a love for your word. Not out of duty, but out of love and worship to know you. Give us a dependency upon you to know it and understand it and walk according to it. Give us hope and life in your word. It's through Christ we pray these things. Amen.